Geneva. Appreciate that. All right, if you want to, you can turn in your Bibles to the first epistle of John. First John, and we're going to look at some things here in chapter 1. First John. First John. First John. First epistle of John. Uh, Pastor John asked me Monday evening if I would be willing to speak tonight, and I told him I would. And uh, I've spent a lot of time, a lot of thinking about it and asking God what he would have me to, uh, to teach. I'm not a preacher. Uh, I enjoy teaching. Uh, and those of you that are in my Sunday school class know that I'll ask a lot of questions, and I'm probably going to ask a couple tonight. Um, but in this first epistle of John, uh, it's like a family photograph album. Um, when you look at it, it describes those who are members of the family of God. Um, just as children resemble their parents, uh, we all like to think that our kids look like us. Uh, I think sometimes mine would be better off if they didn't. Uh, but uh, they look like us, they act like us. Uh, but that's what John is talking about here tonight. Um, for instance, uh, they acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and we see here in this first chapter. Uh, they love God. They love the children of God. They love obeying his commandments. They do not go on sinning in their life, or meaning they don't live a life of habitual sin in their life. Not that we're saying that anybody is sinlessly perfect, because we're not. John wrote this epistle so that all who have these family traits, just as Speck was alluding to in his prayer, that they may know without a shadow of a doubt they have eternal life. And that's an important thing. And in Chapter 5 and verse 13 of 1 John, it says this, These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, know, that four-letter word know. If you don't have that marked in your Bible, you ought to. We need to know. We can know that we have life eternal, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Uh, just a little bit of a background in uh, the first John, as it was back in those days when it was being wrote, or writ, I should say. Uh, in the time that John was writing this, there was a religious group that was on the scene. And they were teaching or preaching Gnosticism. And those of you that may have been in our faith Bible class have heard a lot about Gnosticism. But these Gnostics were teaching that they had uh, uh, a better understanding, uh, a greater truth. Uh, but you know what? The Gnostics never even believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They didn't believe that. And this chapter 1 here is very clear when you read it, uh, just reading it. If you, if you just pay attention to it, you, you can see. Now, the, the outline that I'm going to use tonight is not mine. Uh, and there's two points that I want to take a look at. Christian fellowship, 
and the means of maintaining our Christian fellowship. And if you look in, I don't know if you have a, a Schofield Study Bible or not, but if you do, you'll notice that the outline that I'm going to use is already listed here. The family with the Father, fellowship. Us fellowshipping with the Father. What does the word fellowship mean? Huh? A relationship, okay. Two fellows in a ship, <laughs> okay. Interact, okay. Anything else? Uh, I don't know if that falls into that category of fellowship or not, Terry. Um, but yeah, I'm not even going to go that. Um, but fellowship. Uh, it's it, it's said that you know fellowship is that uh, when people have uh, the same uh, ideas, the same uh, the outlook on life is the same, and and, and from the John's perspective, he's talking about in Jesus Christ. You know our fellowship. Uh, the doctrinal foundation of all true fellowship is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't take anything away from that. You can't add to it. That it, It's all our true fellowship is in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you notice here in these first two verses here, let's, let's, we're going to read these as we go through them instead of reading them all then going back. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Uh, the word of life, what's he speaking of there? You can go back to John chapter 1 and verse 1, and what does it tell you? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John here referring to, now if you have a Schofield Bible, you'll notice right underneath that it says, the un incarnation of Jesus Christ makes fellowship possible. You know, the relationship of his incarnation, uh, it, it, it's not just an incidental fact. It is the reason that we have. And here, the reality of this is that the apostles, if you read that verse, is that they, from the beginning, which they have heard, which they have seen with their eyes, which they have looked upon, and with their hands handled of the word of life. They even inter inter shook hands with Christ, probably hugged him around his neck, or he probably hugged them around their neck knowing Jesus as we do. But it was that relationship that Jesus Christ had with the apostles. That's where that fellowship comes into. And then in verse 2, it confirms that the one who was with the Father and whom John calls eternal life became flesh, that incarnation, 
the one that was with God, that was God, that became, came to this old sinful earth, took on flesh, and lived among, and became man, and lived amongst men, but yet, in a true sense, was still God. It says, for the life was manifested as we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you what eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That relationship, that fellowship, because of his incarnation, him taking on, God taking on flesh, living amongst men, that's where that relationship and fellowship truly came from. You know, uh, I, I, was, I was reading and studying this. There was, I ran across uh, this saying, and they said it was from an unknown author. And I thought it was so true, and I wanted to just read it to you. Said, I am glad that my knowledge of eternal life is not built on speculation, on philosophers, or even theologians, but on the testimony of those who heard, who saw, who gazed at, and handled him in whom was incarnate. It was not merely a lovely dream, but a solid fact carefully observed and accurately recorded fact as we have it in God's word today. You know, I can't, we're, we need to be so thankful that without Christ, all of our fellowship would be in vain. All of our fellowship, even amongst each other, would be in vain without Jesus Christ in our lives. You know, it doesn't mean that we don't have differences, that we don't, disagree on things, that don't mean any of that, but it means because of Christ, we have that bond, that fellowship. Have you ever, ever ran into somebody and didn't know them from Adam? And you start a conversation with them, and all of a sudden you could feel a kindred spirit. And the more you talk to that individual, and you, if you ask them if they were saved, they would say yes. There was something about that spirit kindred spirits. I know when I first joined the Gideons and you, you go around to different people and different camps, and all, it was like I'd known them all of my life. Uh, I, I thought about Tommy when he came in, our visitor, Tommy and what was her name? Kim. Kim. When you started talking to Tommy, it was just like you known him all in your life. Well, that was because of that kindred spirit because of that spirit that he has in Christ and the spirit that we have in Christ comes together. And that's what John, uh, John is talking about here. And it's all because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And if you notice there in verse 3, it says the fellowship with the Father and with the Son. You notice they hear, and that which we have seen and heard, notice that next word, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the, his Son, Jesus Christ. These apostles didn't keep this news a secret. Uh, uh, and neither should we, by the way. They, they, they declared it. They told everybody they come in contact with about it. It was important to them to get the word out. They realize the basis of all fellowship is found right here. So they declared it freely and fully. 
that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have the fellowship not only with them, the apostles, and truly our fellowship, John is saying, is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And look and notice in verse 4. But why? Why did John say all of this? Why did John? He says this because, and these things write we unto you, that your what? Joy may be full. What is joy? It's another good word. What is it? What's joy? Huh? Happy? What's joy? That happy is also, it's in joy. Huh? Full? Okay. Joy. Joy. What, that, that, where does joy come from? Where does our joy come from? Is it because we feel good? Mm-mm. Huh? Inside. Because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that because he lives and takes abode with us the moment we accept him as our personal Savior, it creates that joy within us. And I had a, a definition somewhere, and I don't know what I did with it. And I this here, a biblical definition of joy says that joy is a feeling of good pleasure and happiness that is determined, or excuse me, is dependent on who would you think? Jesus, rather than on who we are or what is happening around us. You know, you, we can be joyful when things around us seem to be falling apart. When things, I mean, even in the day in which we live, with all that's going on, with all that's going on with COVID, with all that's going on with our government, with all that's going on in the world around us, we can still have joy. Joy comes from that Holy Spirit that takes both in our hearts and our lives when we accept him as our personal Savior. Abiding in God's presence. Abiding in God's presence, getting alone with him, abiding in his presence, being faithful to be in the house of God whenever the doors are open. The, the Bible even tells us even so much more as you see the day approaching, the importance of being assembled together. That fellowship, that kinship because of Jesus Christ and hope from his word. This is where we get our joy. I, I, I don't know about you, but you, it's hard not to spend time in the book that you don't get joy from it. I mean, it's joyful just to read the thing. You know, uh, in our faith Bible class, we've been studying the book of Revelations. Revelations is a tough book. But I'm going to tell you what, I've had enjoyment just reading it. But you know it says in the, in the beginning of the book of Revelation that God will bless you even if you just read it. He didn't say anything about understanding it. Brother Harry and I were talking about that earlier. It's hard to understand all of the things that are going to happen, that will happen. But all of it is just fulfilling, fulfillment of what God said was going to happen. 
And sooner or later, that tribulation period, which praise God, we look, we're looking at it now, we ain't going to be here, or I ain't going to be here. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be here because we're going to be going home to be with him. So it's important that we share the word of God. We declare that word because, as John says, and these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. Now, in verses uh, 5 through 10, we find here the conditions of fellowship. Again, this is not my outline. This is uh, in the Schofield. It says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, in him is no darkness. God is light, in him is no darkness. The fellowship, as we said, that, that, that Being a part of God's family, that fellowshipping with him, that having that peace that passes all understanding. Fellowship describes that, that situation where, where two or more people, they, they share things in common. Uh, it's, it, 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 it's a partnership. I think somebody even mentioned that. But it's because of that relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, John takes, here, uh, takes on to try to instruct us uh, the requirements for fellowship with God. You know, all of, if you read there, uh, it says, Then, in verse 5, And this then, as the message which we heard from him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness, what's the Bible say? We lie. And do not the truth. You know, God is light. The difference between light and dark, night being night and you turn the light on, it's such a wonderful thing. Uh, I don't know, it used to be when the, uh, back in the back room, when you turn the light out in there, if you go downstairs in some of those rooms, you can turn the light out, it's pitch dark. That's what the world is. That's what the world is. But you can, but you turn the light on, and that's what God is. You know, although the the Lord is not quoted uh, of having said these exact words, the the substance of His teaching was that God is light, and in Him is no darkness. What, what did really John mean by that? By, by that statement, he meant that God is absolute holy. God is absolutely righteous. God is absolutely pure. God cannot look with favor on any form of sin. Nothing is hidden from him. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13 says, All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we must give an account. We're going to stand before the Lord one day and give an account. Now, not as a, a sinner, but as a saved person, we're still going to give an account for the things that we've done or the things that we didn't do, that we should have done. Uh, and, and because God cannot 
have favor with any form of sin. Light and darkness cannot exist in the life of an individual at the same time. No more than can exist to, uh, in, in a room of a home. Uh, if a man is walking in darkness, he's not in fellowship with God. A man that, who says he has fellowship with him and habitually walks in darkness, I would be checking up on my salvation. If he was habitually walking in sin, something isn't right. Because there's no place for darkness in the life of a Christian. Darkness being sin in the life of a Christian. Now that's not saying that we're sinlessly perfect, but what it is saying is that God, he cannot look upon sin. God cannot look upon sin. And he says there in verse, in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But, verse 7 says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And in verse 8, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You know, we've always looked at verse 9, you know, and it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. And he is. And he is. But you notice the difference in the word sin in verse 8 and in verse 9. Verse 8, it says, if we say that we have no sin. Sin is talking about our nature there in verse, verse 8. Our sin nature. If we have no sin, we all are sinners, just saved by the grace of God. But we, we live like we've never sinned, like we are better than somebody else. If you look at somebody else that has sinned and you think, well, they're, you know, they're worse than I am, we, we're saying that, in essence, we have no sin. But if you look in verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, plural, that we commit every day. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, plural, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in verse 10 it says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. There, in order, in, in order for us to walk, day by day, in fellowship with God. And fellowship, not only with God, but fellowship with other believers. We have to confess our sins before God. Because we cannot, we need to confess those sins of commission, of omission, uh, sins of thought, sins of act, secret sins, public sins. We've got to drag them all out on the table before God and, and ask forgiveness of them. If not, we're going to walk in darkness, and God cannot look upon darkness. You know, uh, uh, I realize there are people 
that have been taken home prematurely. Christians, the Bible says that it's true. If a person does not ask forgiveness of the sins that's committed throughout his life, and he continues to live that way, and if he is truly a born-again Christian, Christ is going to say he's going to take you on home. So we need to live for him. In order that we walk, we've got to confess that sin. True confession involves forsaking sins. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 says this, He that covereth his sins shall not what? Prosper. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. When, you know, when we confess our sins, there's something that has to happen. We must believe on the authority of God's word that he forgives us. We've got to believe that. And if he forgives us, you know the next thing that has to happen? We must forgive ourselves. So many people, you ever come to an altar, and laid your, poured your heart out before God on the altar, and then get up and carry whatever it was right back with you? That's not what we should be doing. We should bring our sins and confess them before an almighty God. And if we believe that he hears us, and if we believe that he, if we confess our sins, as verse 9 says, he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we believe that verse, we need to forgive ourselves and then go on and try to live a life that's pleasing to him. And it's very important. In order to be in fellowship with God, we must not deny that we have committed the acts of sin. God has stated over and over and over in his word. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. What's it say? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, we like to use that passage when we're dealing with the sinner. But what about us? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I have, you have. There's no human being alive today that hasn't. Only Jesus Christ himself was sinlessly perfect. And he faced the same temptations that you did. So it proves that we can have victory over that sin in our life. We need to have that fellowship with God so that we don't fall short of, of his, what he expects. Christ expects a lot from us. Christ expects, God expects, sometimes I think more of me than he's getting. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I don't like when I look in the mirror, I don't like what I see. Because I realize that I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. But I live my life sometimes not even realizing it. 
not even asking God to forgive me. It ought to be a daily occurrence. Do we sin daily? Do we ask Christ to forgive us of our sins daily? We need to. But then we need to realize that if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he'll forgive us our sins. And I want you to notice the first two verses of, of chapter 2, it says this. It says, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. We have that judge, that, that jury that defends us before the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is our propitiation for our sins. He's already paid the price for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's the message that you and I need to be taking to the world. He's died for the sins of the world. And we need to be taking that message for other folks. Father, we thank you, Lord, this evening. Lord, and I pray in some small way that, Lord, in my fumblings, in my, Lord, somebody uh, might have been touched just slightly to realize, Lord, that we are just a sinner saved by grace, plus nothing, minus nothing. And, Lord, our service to you depends upon us asking God to forgive us our sins, believing that he would, and then getting up and going on and serving him. And, Father, so many times that's where we, we, we fail because we get up and we just carry our sins right back with us. And, Father, we ask that you forgive us of that. Help us, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight. Lord, we do pray for Pastor John and the family and once again. Lord, we ask you to just be with them, help them. Lord, during this time, Lord, I know this has got to be a trying time. Those that have lost, of us that have lost our parents, Lord, we understand. And Father, we pray that you would just help them. Help us, the Lord, to help them. And Lord, we pray that you might just bless. Father, we just thank you now and pray, Lord, you just be with us as we go into our business meeting. Father, help us, Lord, who may conduct the business uh, as, as unto you and just give us that prayer. And Lord, we thank you. We love you and forgive us when we fail in Jesus' name. Amen.